0: What up, y'all? What up, y'all? Thank y'all. Thank y'all. We are here. We are here. Incense and ashtrays. Roll up and listen. Music tough for your ass. Where we bring you the stories from the artists themselves. You know how it is. Y'all know how it, y'all know how I am, me being the one. I like the story to be told right and accurate. And so I created this program because I got tired of watching music documentaries. And all they talk about is the artist's drug habit and them losing all their money at some point. We here to talk yeah. about the music. And to talk about what would ends in the music and the story behind the music. So yeah, please check out my uh last interview I had with Mr. Bobby Rush, the legendary blues guitarist. And uh in a couple weeks I got my aunt ITM coming on, Mortonette Jenkins. She's saying background. We're gonna we're gonna answer the we're gonna answer the question finally. What were they saying? On Be starting something by Michael Jackson. Because there's been a debate coming out where they saying mama say mama sai, mama, si, mama, si, mama si, tu, People saying they saying something else. Well, I got the woman who actually sang that line for Michael Jackson. And she sang behind Elton John, Stevie Wonder. She still sings with the Eagles. I got her coming on in a couple weeks to tell her story. But today, I got a brother that personally I'm a fan of. Huge fan. Like I just told him. He wrote the soundtrack. He he was a major part of the soundtrack of my 30s, from Jill Scott, Anthony Hamilton, Anderson Pack, Jasmine Sullivan, and y'all know, anybody who follow me on Instagram know I saw Jasmine Sullivan twice at the Hollywood Bowl back in 2019. Um, He did all kinds of dope shit, and his own albums is the shit. I want y'all to welcome my guest, Mr. Jarius Mosey. What up, man? What's poppin'?
1: What's poppin', y'all? What's poppin'? Man, I'm so glad to have you on here, man. It's all good, man. I just want to put this out there because I know my name is a weird-ass name, but just everybody is Jairus Mosey. It's Jairus. It's just like you saying Paris with a J. You
0: know okay, Paris. Okay, Jairus. Yeah, yeah. I've been saying that. I've been saying that shit in my head for like seven, eight years when I've been seeing you on the credits. Right, no, it's
1: all good. <laughs> It's, all, it's a weird ass name. So, you know, I just got to clarify that for everybody and shit. Every time I do something,
0: but it's all good. No, I get it. My name is Dewan. <laughs> two Come on, dog. You all time. Dwayne? Dewan? No, it's Dewan. Dewan, homie. <laughs> I right get you, brother. Man. It's all good. Man. So, yeah, uh, for those who don't know, you know, Jarris is a Grammy award winning artist and I want to jump right into it. Um I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the work that you've done with other people, but I and I also want to get into your work cuz me personally, I think that you're one of the saviors of sound. You're one of the saviors of soul. You know, soul is one of I don't play with soul, you know? I don't play with funk. Either you got it or you don't. I don't like when they when they someone just plays a note on the one and they say hey, that's that, that's soul. No it's not nigga. You are someone <laughs> who actually are soul. So I want to yeah, get into I your stuff it, too. Man. You know, but let's start off with um you work with Prince.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got to work with him, man. I got to work with him when I was young too. I was uh, actually 17 years old in high school. I was going to Long Beach Poly. And uh, that was, man, one of the most blessed times in my life. Man, it was like a dream, like walking around in a dream, bro.
0: So, did, like, were you rehearsing with him up at up at uh at the house that Carlos Boozer's house that he was written out that purple? Yeah, it was Carlos
1: Boozer house. So basically, I was a you know a young dude around Long Beach, LA, doing my thing in the church and different little things, little gigs and whatnot. And I ran into this guitar player named Tim Stewart. Uh, and he was actually like playing for Sheila E, Prince, you know, doing a whole bunch of shit in the industry. And he took me under his wing. He liked how I was playing and stuff and doing my thing. And he seen that, you know, I could handle it. Shit. You know, I didn't know I could handle it at the time, but he saw it. And uh, he offered me to audition. He was like, you know, Prince needs somebody to come play for his house parties. Da, 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 da. Uh, they're having an audition. Like right now, I'll come pick you up. He picked me up, took me up to uh, center staging. Uh, Frank McComb was playing keys at the time, he was the director, yep. Um, uh, Cora Coleman was on drums, and her husband, uh, Josh Dunham, was playing bass. So I walk in, you know, all top-tier cats, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just a little kid from Long Beach with some Chucks, some Dickies, you know what I'm saying? A a pro club, you know what I mean? And walk in there, and, and, and I did my thing, and they recorded me on tape. And uh, they said Prince liked it. They called me the next day. They was like, we're going to be sending cars to pick you up and uh, uh, go to rehearsal. So I was rehearsing with Prince during the week. Uh, and then on the weekends, we would do all the parties. So we would do like two, three parties a weekend sometimes. And uh, yeah, sometimes i get random calls. They'd be like, Prince wants you to come to the house. And I have to find a way to get a ride to get up there. Sometimes I'll bring my homies with me. And you know what I'm saying? It was it was dope like that, you know? It was real cool. You know, we was partying with Oprah, Angela Bassett, and just all these people that you see on TV and all that. I was getting to just be around them at a young age. You know what I'm saying? Man, that's so, that's
0: yeah, dope. Man. I I've heard I've heard Fred McCone tell him stories about those rehearsal of those and like y'all be up rehearsing to like six in the morning some night. I heard Princeton go all night.
1: Bro, the parties uh, themselves so I remember like literally having to leave uh like a couple times and they would still be going and I had to go to school so it would be like 6 it would be like six thirty, seven in the morning you know and they would still be going hard at like 7 in the morning and I would be like yo I gotta you know I got school you know what I'm saying yeah. so my mom was like nigga you gotta go to school you can do all that shit but nigga go to school you know what I'm saying but I knocked that out but yeah those the, the shows uh and the rehearsal the rehearsals themselves used to go to like we'll start at like um I'll get i be getting there late and they'd be already starting like twelve or whatever. I'll get there at like two or three and we'll still go to like two in the morning or three in the morning or some shit. You know what I'm saying? See. So it was just a weird, crazy time I was getting paid. It was fast, it was it was surreal. It was mm-hmm. like a dream. It was, it was moving fast, real fast. You
0: you know what's the interesting thing that to me is cause when I hear your music, your music is so developed is layered it's it's what a lot of music doesn't have today and you have crescendos decrescendos you have dynamics and i'm like oh shit this motherfucker playing with dynamics i don't hear that much anymore that makes sense with you getting that kind of a knowledge in church first because we all know what church music do (laughs) church music be all over the place with it and then having that basically you got uh you got uh fertilized by prince and that like yeah. what's the impact that you've had on that? How did how has that impacted your career in your opinion? The way you see it.
1: Man. Uh and you're playing I a bit. That. That a few times. Man, that it basically it prepared me uh, it made me not be starstruck. You know what I'm saying? So just imagine like growing up, you know, in the church, you know, Prince was kind of like a no no. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Everybody the like he can wear it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like growing up, Prince was always nah, 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 nah. So, anyways, so I'm me looking at Prince coming into it, that's how I think I got it because I wasn't looking at him as starstruck, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I didn't grow up on his music like that, so uh, that's what kind of opened up my gates to you know the world. I'm at his house, I'm and I'm meeting Oprah, I'm meeting you know, Quest Love, I'm meeting. Oh, all these different people and it to me it was just like oh i'm meeting these people and characters you know that i i knew from growing up but i wasn't starstruck so it prepared me to go into any room growing Mm -hmm. up and i can talk to anybody and you know we can talk on a level of like real people instead of just like me being starstruck at you and try to cater to somebody and i can really tell them what how i feel and you know we can talk on a level of real personality and you know, some adult shit, you know what I'm saying? So, that's what it meant did for me, mainly uh mentally, um, and then like, playing wise it definitely put me in a space where, because he was always talking about space. Oh, yeah? You know, first, that was his, yeah. You know what I mean? That's his main thing. Yeah. He's like, bro, he used to, we'll be in the middle of playing, and he'll come up and whisper a little shit into different people's ear, and I noticed that mainly he was saying the same thing every time he would do that. He would say, Give a space. That was his main thing to whisper into somebody's ear. Give it space. Stop playing so much. You know what I mean? So um that was one of the main things I learned from him. He would, would show you a part and you would have to lay out for however many seconds. Just play that part. That's your part, nigga. Like stick to that. Dinner Da-da-da-da. Yeah. And let everybody else do their shit. So I learned that. You know what I mean? At a young age, so yeah. yeah, man. That was like my that was like my college.
0: Yeah, that had to be yeah. Cause like when you think about it, that's what made Bootsy so great. Being around your same age when he got with James Brown, mm-hmm. and, and James mm-hmm. Brown yep. would tell him, you know, when because when you listen to when you listen to that James Brown, it's do It's just it's it's yep. it, everyone is playing, and sometimes people in the audience, the casual fan, will look up and see the guitar player just doing his little one thing but they don't understand that that's the mustard on a sandwich <laughs> that's it
1: that's it yeah yep.
0: you know so yeah the
1: drummer got the bread and the, and the and the uh you know what i mean yeah. the bass player got the meat you know what i mean yeah so cuz yeah. i mean,
0: that's one thing i learned like as a drummer i'm i'm a pocket drummer and you know? i'm a proud pocket drummer i ain't doing all that extra shit <laughs> but i <laughs> learned like really young huh <laughs>
1: I got a brother that say that same thing. He has been saying that to this day. I ain't doing it cause like
0: when no. I was playing in church at a young age, in my in my teen years, our music director, his father was Skip Scarborough, and you know Skip Scarborough, Skip Scarborough wrote "Giving You the Best That I Got," "Loves Holiday." He, I mean, he has decades of hits that he wrote. And when I was sixteen, he told me very, uh, we had like a, a, something at the church, and he came. And we didn't talk much, but the one thing he did say was, he said, "If you just listen to Funkadelic and learn that pocket,
1: mm. you'll always yeah. have
0: work. All that extra stuff you're doing, no one's ever going to pay you to do that as a drummer." So at the yeah. age of 16, I learned like just play my part.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. And that's, that's a life it. principle: play your part. Period, man. Period. It's about balance. Life is about balance. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, it ain't all about you.
0: So I want to get into some of the work that you've done. Talk. I, I'm this interview. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be selfish, y'all. Y'all want y'all to check out uh, Jerus's profile. He works with a lot of people that y'all like, but I'm gonna focus on the people that I like that he worked with. I like them all, but the brothers worked with like some of. Our, you know. You know how you have your top five of any era or of the current era of this year. Your favorite song of that year. This brother happened to be on my favorite songs of certain years that. I'm like, hold on, you was on Giving Me, giving You the Best of Me by Anthony Hamilton? Mm-hmm. Look at that, To me, that's, at that's one of the greatest songs I've ever put together. Talk to us about working with Anthony Hamilton and your part in oh, what you man. did with him.
1: So that, me and Anthony go back to, so after right after Prince, um, I got an opportunity to play guitar for Anthony. This was uh, right after high school. And uh, shout out to David Balfour, his keyboard player. He was a uh, in Long Beach at a church, and he heard me play, he was like, man, and he just so happened to be his MD, he was like, man, I'm gonna take you on the road with Anthony, da, da, da. so he got me on the road with him for, like, I was playing the guitar for Anthony for maybe two or three years, maybe about a year and a half, two years, but, uh, yeah, so that was my introduction to Anthony, so, uh, later on, I started working with BJ the Chicago Kid, who was, uh, at he was, uh, one of uh Anthony's background singers at the time. So uh you know, we was working on BJ's album Pineapple Now Laters and they was hearing my tracks that I was doing for BJ. You know what I'm saying? So uh you know, words started getting around, you know, J did this, da, da da and then finally Anthony was working on his uh I think it was his third album. He was like, Yeah, I'm gonna fly you out to come do some tracks for my uh, you know, come do some writing. So I flew out there, um Basically, Anthony, that session, uh, I'm gonna I'm be 100% honest with you how I felt about it, Anthony was not feeling that song. You know what I'm saying? We, mm. we did, at first, when we, so I, the first day I got out there, you know, uh, we did a couple songs and then we played them back and he was like, man, he was like, man, you sound like you in love. He said, I wanna do something more upbeat. You know, he old school, how he talk, he real cutthroat. Yeah. So, uh, I like, man, you sound like you in love. I need, I need some more upbeat, more rugged or whatever. I wasn't feeling like that at the time. I had just got with my baby mom's, and mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, my daughter's mom, and I was feeling real good, like real major chordish. You know funny, it's I'm a very
0: saying? celebratory
1: song, yeah. Exactly. So I remember the day we had woke up, and I, that shit was on my mind, but he was telling me, he was like, I want to up-tempo. So I'm like, I'm not really feeling the minor chords, but I'm feeling the up-tempo. So the first thing... uh. That I thought of, I had had a conversation with BJ that night before, and he was like, Man, he said, You can't miss with that four on the floor type shit. He was like that beat that's boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. Drives. Boom, boom. Because BJ had a song at the time called uh Pimp Harder. Yeah. If y'all go look that up, he had a song way back called Pimp Hard. And that was like his hit. It was just like that. It was boom, 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 boom. Same beat, but I uh took it and played it on the drums, on the live drums as soon as I got there. And I just built around that. So I did the beat first. Then I did the uh, acoustic guitar chords. I put the bass. Then I put the piano. Um, and that was pretty much it. And uh, when the bridge came around, he was like, man, uh, when he was writing it, basically he wrote that song in about 10, 15 minutes. Mm. You know what I'm Real quick. He, did, he wasn't feeling that because he was hearing the major chords, I realized. He wanted minor chords. So he was like, man, this is too happy. da 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 He got right through it, wrote right through it. He didn't even write it. He just went in the booth and just cut it. You know what I'm saying? We get to the bridge, he was like, man, he was like, these chords are too pretty. I can't even say nothing over this. I'm going to just say, (laughs) ah, 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 and then, dude, when I tell you that song was done in about an hour max from me doing the track to him coming to the studio and writing it, we was done. You know what I'm saying? And then, so that song washed away, bro. Trust me, I was there for another week. We did another 10, 15 songs. You know what I'm saying? So time go by. I'm thinking all some of the other songs is gonna, you know, get through. They ended up picking out one later on. And, you know, it did what it did, man. You know what I'm saying? So he, but at first he was sleeping on that song, man. He was not feeling that song at all.
0: Man, that's one of my favorite songs done over the last 20 years, easily. Man, yeah. And it, it just it got it got a feeling to it. It got that it got it's got that feeling, and mm-hmm. so yeah. And Anthony Hamilton, hell, I can't stay away from you too long. That's the song my wife chose for our wedding. So that that brother right there, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you did that, and then you worked with my literally my favorite band of all time, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And this album to me, being an Earth and the Fire junkie, was great. A lot of casuals didn't pick up on it because they hear you know, they hear people, an old band doing something new. They're like, nah. I'm going to tell y'all right now. And y'all going to hear a lot of Earth and the Fire on my Instance and Astray Spotify playlist of my soul funk list. Earth and the Fire, all their albums. That's I, I love every one of their albums, especially in the 70s. The the album that you worked on, Now Then Forever, and then you worked on, you're the, the first album without Maurice White, Cause even their last album, he was still in the studio a little bit. How mm-hmm. was And you worked on my favorite song on the album, Love is Law. To me, that song, In Love We Give and Love Receive. <laughs> if love if man, that the lyrics, that is Earth and Fire. And to me personally, that's the best Earth and Fire album since Faces.
1: That's what's up. That's what's up. Talk to
0: me about working with Earth, Wind, and Fire, especially with Maurice. For that first time without Maurice White,
1: man, you know what? This is one of the you know few occasions where I never got a chance to meet the artist. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So um, I was working with the producer J.R. Hudson. I don't know if a lot of people know his dad was Leroy Hudson. He was a uh, you know artist in the '70s and all that. Um, but J.R. was working on some stuff. We he would always call me to you know write, and we ended up in that same session doing some tracks for. That ended up on jill scott and uh earth wind and fire so i just got the call like later on you know what i'm saying so okay we had worked on the music a few ideas and uh man i just be it's a, that's how a lot of my stuff come in i'll be go i'll work with somebody and uh somebody else will land it, you know what uh-huh. I mean? and give me a call and be like hey man we got a song with da-da-da. like that's how my last song i got a song with Nicki minaj and i really don't even personally like her music or her but I got a song with her. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So that's how stuff be happening. Cause when you collab with different producers, you know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I love I love those producer stories, man. Like I, I'm still trying to get my father-in-law to interview. He hasn't done it yet, man. He, you know because he wrote he he and he produced everything. Lionel Richie and Motown and mm-hmm. stuff. And I want to get those stories on on Wax. But he yeah, just, he yeah. just like nah, right, whatever. <laughs> Man.
1: <laughs> the producers man. be having the
0: stories
1: you already know you already
0: know man because this is it's like that man when it comes when it when it comes to, when it comes to music and you i'm gonna segue to to that because you mentioned her name jill scott to me her jill scott and erica badu they belong up there in the with all the soul singers when we, we talk about shaka khan anita baker gladys knight they're in that lineage um you worked on three of her albums yeah
1: man through jr jr hudson and um through andre harris from uh and vidal so that's that's how like i said man a lot of these producers uh the top-notch producers they need somebody to come in and help them with the melodies and the chords before the artists even come in you know what i mean so they can have something that's to a certain level, because a lot of the times they can't do everything, you know yeah. what I mean. With you know the mind capacity to, to create the best drum pattern and the best chords takes a lot. So that's that's I'm like the ringer, and they call me in for the chords and the melodies, and uh, that's how I got a lot of those, man. That's how I got the Jill Scott, uh, uh jr uh, J. Hudson for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, that's dope, man. Because mm-hmm. I and mean, when it comes when it comes to that her music. She's her sound is what kept soul alive to get to your era, you know. Because Man, she would-
1: I'm, I'm not to cut you off, but I feel blessed to be a part. Like just like you're saying, what I what I think a lot because I think I'm a part of the bridge that yeah. was like from the neo soul era to mm-hmm. now. You know what I'm saying? And uh helping keeping it alive. Now I'm still young. You know what I mean? I'm not old as hell. I'm still in my thirties, so. Um, i feel like i'm a part of all that like you are you know? and so, i always, yeah.
0: i always say this if i ever had a chance to talk to jill scott Eric badu maxwell music soul child d'angelo Raphael sadiq another person you work with these these were the bridge because bands were dead i i i, I was born in 81 and i remember when tony 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 came around the same time as mid-condition there were no mm-hmm. bands when 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 the White Paper Report hit, for those who you don't know, I've done shows on that. That's another that's story. But when they purposely took live music out of music after 1979, there was this time where everything became very plastic. And it was Tony, Tony, Tony and mint condition that sort of kept the bands alive for a little bit. And then when it came to authentic live music, not overly produced, not sampled, real singers, Eric Badu, Jill Scott, that era from '97 till about 2010 really kept that alive, and then that that allowed you to come in, and then right. behind you, Anderson Pack and those guys who who are bringing it back to the mainstream. So you're a major part of that link that kept real yeah.
1: music alive. The blessing, man. <laughs> I'm blessed to be a part of it, man. That's all I can say. That's all I can say.
0: Because and i'm gonna get to some more people that he's worked with but i i just gotta say this right here y'all gotta go back because you know how it is when you miss out on 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 an album you feel dumb as hell because I, I i was on san pedro i love i was on san pedro when that shit dropped but i did not know about the elevator album oh uh, yeah yeah
1: yeah man, man. That was my first little baby album man when i was you know i was probably the album is almost 10 years old probably more than that now but yeah man that was my first like project i decided to put something together for the people and uh yeah that's what came out bro my little apartment in long beach i did that one man look i'm gonna tell you this
0: i can't never call nothing little about this album that song let go (laughs) catalina fresh and like i like the whole album but it's four songs on that album that I, i had to just like You listen to the whole album, this song you gotta repeat like six, seven times. Especially if you on a mushroom trick, you dig. (laughs) That Catalina, I mean, that, this is real goddamn music when people, that's why I tell, when they they say music is dead, no the fuck it ain't, it just ain't on the radio.
1: Exactly, it's not promoted enough. It's not on the same level promotion wise. It's there though, it's right there.
0: When I listen to this album, that's on the level of anything that's come out over the last 20 years. Any from anybody.
1: I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. For real. For
0: real. And I and y'all know me, people, y'all know, y'all know my people that listen to my show. Y'all know I do not pull punches when it comes to music. I'm very serious about this thing. You know, so if it was some bullshit, I, I just like just like I talk shit if and I don't pull punches if it's bad, when it's right and done this right man, I ain't got nothing but good things and love and respect to say about it, man, so like I said, we are, the, the music itself appreciates you, man.
1: Man, I appreciate y'all, man, for, you know, and all the listeners and everybody to help support, man, and keep the positivity going, that's, you know, that's what it come down to, positive energy, man, you know. Talk to me about working with Raphael Sadiq. Man, so that's like, for me, that's a check off my list. You know what I mean? Top five artists you want to work with. Um, dude, dude is just, he's his own character. You know what I mean? He got his own thing. And you can tell his mind is always working. You know what I'm saying? So it's like playing. It's, hes He reminds me of somebody that plays chess. Like, I play chess. And uh, you can tell, like, he's moving steps ahead when he's thinking or about to say something or... You know what I'm saying? So that's what I get from him. And he's, man, he's was one of my favorites, bro. He just nostalgic with his sound. And he keep he's just like, I used to think the same way. I'm like, as soon as I was thinking, I'm like, somebody should make an album that sounds exactly from the 60s or 70s. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, it was like, maybe like a month or two later he came out with it. So I'm like, oh, okay. I, we on the same wave.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: And then eventually um, through Charlie Burrell, that's how I met uh, Raphael. I had met him in the past, but um, recently we kind of clicked up over the f- uh, past few years. We've been writing and, you know what I mean, and in the studio vibe and stuff. So it's been cool, man. I've been learning. It's like every time I'm around him, that's probably one of the... I'm not starstruck, but I'm definitely a student. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I into to a student, and I'm like just trying to hear everything he's trying to say, everything he put out you
0: know what I mean so yeah same here when he came out with that uh when he came out with that album based off it basically I said, say in the 60s I was like okay yeah and I already said if I ever got a chance to talk to the brother I need Raphael Sadiq to come with an album that's based in 1976 On the one just yeah that yeah <clears throat>
1: yeah I think
0: that's gonna come that's gonna he- come if anybody can pull that off, him and you, and you mentioned Charlie Burrell. Charlie, a funky motherfucker. Yeah, him, Charlie, yeah. you, y'all, y'all in in the soup. That's a good idea, man. You might see that coming.
1: Shit, I might we might have to make that
0: happen. Really. I, I I've been saying that because I, I went to Essence Fest the year um, Raphael Sadiq was out there with the album. I think it was 2010, 2011, He opened up Essence Fest. And I had met him before, like just in mocking. He he would never remember. Um, but I was like, man, if I ran across him, I was like, I need something from 1976 from you. Because <laughs> who a, who else idea. is gonna represent '76 right? Than him? That's
1: a good idea. Him or D'Angelo? Oh
0: yeah, for real. We on the same wavelength. I was thinking D'Angelo, the same thing. They yeah. Because when you listen my, to what he's they my do. my top
1: favorite artist, man. D'Angelo is that dude. He's crazy. He's
0: Like I say, man. I think when D'Angelo made that Voodoo album, he was eating oxtails and cornbread. Man. <laughs> and they dug hard deep dogs. for
1: that motherfucker. They dug deep for
0: that shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Man. So, uh, t- and you also worked with um with Lettucey and Jasmine Sullivan. I've always mm-hmm. said I've, i I see Lesben and Jasmine Sullivan in those. In that in that upper echelon of all time great singers, I always say the music industry failed those sisters because mm-hmm. back in the '70s, you get those voices matched up with Hayes and Porter, matched up mm-hmm. you know with 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 those top level, uh, Gambling Huff matched up with mm-hmm. a, with a real heavy live sound. Those live, sisters, live. you know, they they've gotten thrown into a lot of the their music has kind of had. Unfortunately for them, for me, just as a listener, I still love them regardless. That sort of, those melodic, beautiful, powerful voices on plastic sounds that don't really support what they can build out. So you work
1: with them on some real shit. How was that, man? Man, that's one of my goals. Exactly what you're saying, man. I hear a lot of these artists. Um, trying to conform to what's going on right now as far as the uh, frequency of the highs and the auto-tune and uh, certain drums. So they like, everybody got to have, oh, my drums got to be knocking. and All oh, your drums don't got to be knocking all the time. You know what I'm saying? They don't have to be extra crispy and all that. Sometimes you just got to lay a bed, a beautiful bed with a bedding and a bedspread so somebody can lay on it. You know what I mean? So... Working with them, I was I was fortunate enough to you know be in the studio with them on this one. Anderson actually plugged me with Jasmine. Uh, she came to my studio. I ain't gonna lie, I was a little nervous because I never met her. And you know, you know, we clicked though when she came in there. You know what I'm saying? I started playing tracks, and um, yeah, she vibed to about three or four of them. You know what I mean? And and got busy. You know. She, when she first sung it, I was thrown off. It's like, damn, you gonna go there with it? I didn't know she was gonna go all the way there with it, but yeah. hey, that's where you at with it. All I can do is try to enhance what you do and help you, you know, get to your goal. So, and it ended up being good, you know, for her. So, um, that one, and then legacy, um, man. We was in the studio vibing. We came up with anything for you, man, and um, that was with a producer named Rex Rideout. Mm-hmm. Um, legendary producer and uh we were just in there vibing man we was uh like she was saying she wanted to do a slow jam and you know on some d'angelo type shit and that's what i channeled at the moment you know okay. the changes, uh and that's what i channeled from her and just put it down bro like that's pretty much it. i've
0: always wanted to see let jasmine sullivan layla hathaway i want to hear their voices with the live band strings yeah and if i can't get a full choir at least mm-hmm. get me like three good some good strong background singers that can, yeah. you know yeah because yeah. you know what that's gonna do to them it's gonna make them just
1: man trust me trust me i know man because that's what i dedicated i'm gonna say my whole production style i definitely use you know uh program drums here and there and you know i stay up to date but I like to keep live instrumentation in there because that's what keeps it to where i mean you can literally play it any year from now and you're going to be able to still listen to it you know what i mean i think the machines the more machines you use the more dates you put on your music so that's pretty much it you know that's how i think about it and then the, the instruments make everything kind of timeless because you can you can go back and grab anything from Beethoven and all that right now, and you can still grab it and sample it and use it right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Certain music you can't really grab it if it got too many like instruments, and I mean not instruments, but uh, like you uh, know mechanical sounds. instruments. Yeah, yeah, like that type of stuff like going on. You can't really sample it. So uh, I'm going on about the shit, but yeah,
0: you know. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's good information because I always say live music is the heart. You know. They call it man. an organ. What do you have inside of you? Organs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. They, you pull exactly. someone's heart strings. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Your, 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 your heartbeat is a drum. Yeah. So, yeah. and so that live music instrumentation communicates to us on a level that we don't quite understand in our mind.
1: Yep, yep. And, you don't understand it,
0: man. And I said, like, Howard Hewitt had a great career in the 80s. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. all of his music had an 80s sound.
1: Got a date on it. So it left his
0: music in the 80s. Yeah. Versus when you go back to those Luther Vandross, Marvin, Marcus Miller, when they were together. (laughs) Luther Vandross still made good music in the 90s. But when he was with Marcus Miller with that live sound.
1: Yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because it's hard to crack through some music from the 80s that can play. No, no slight to anybody from the 80s. None. There was a lot of machinery going on and, and mechanical things that, you know, it just really didn't last for me. I like the 70s and the 60s. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That, shit, that music, I could play that shit to this day. You know what I mean? It's just amazing. It's amazing.
0: Same here, man. Most of my most yeah. of my listening is from back then because I need that richness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to get into
0: one more artist that you work with. Then I want to get into uh, your, your newest uh, EP, San Pedro. You work yeah. with my favorite artist, of today um as far as in that's getting radio play and every Anderson pack to me that mm. that that I I if I'm I'm proud of that because I remember when like my wife used to go to these parties, local parties around here and this cat named Breezy Lovejoy was the one on the music. Yeah. Now this motherfucker done wrote Oxnard and Ventura and yeah. I mean I mean, music that I just can listen
1: to all day. Talk to me about working with Anderson Pack. So, man, this dude—he's one of them dudes, man. You don't know what's gonna happen next. Like, he always—he's always moving. Just like I said about uh, about Raphael. He's a chess—he's a chess player. So, like, you'll say one thing to him, and then he'll be thinking like four or five other things ahead of that. You know what I'm saying? And then by the time you get done, you'd be like, damn, like you took it there. So I can even say, like, a few times we was working and um uh literally we went to Mexico one time, like kind of on a vacation work trip, and everything we did throughout that day, he put it in the song somehow, some little phrase from that day, but it didn't like it necessarily would that wasn't the song, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It was just weird, like I'm like. This motherfucker just took, when we was at the pool swimming and then put that in the song, like, you know, it's just one little quick little lick, you know what I mean, a little lyric, or it's just like, damn, this motherfucker really just, you know how you meet people you don't think they thinking like that? It's like, damn, this motherfucker's really a genius, you know what I'm saying? So that's how it is working with him, man. It's just like we bouncing off just having fun. we too, We're really like the same type of motherfucker, but I'm more reserved than him. Mm-hmm. But when I get around him, man... It's like two kids in a fucking candy store, bro, just going crazy in the studio, man. Just yeah. having time. Having a good
0: time. Man, to work to write a song like you doing way too much. Sit your when that hook line sit your ass down. Like that's what I'm, like, to me when I heard that shit yeah. I was like. And he made my girl he made Layla Hathaway sound like the queen. Again, with that live sound.
1: Man. She just with the way she yep. floated about that, I'm like, man. That's yeah. a man, so I know, yeah. I know so. bad, bro. He's he cold with it, man. And with the like, he one of them type of motherfuckers that'll think of the whole video in the session. You know what I mean? He'd be like, Oh, we gotta do a video like this, and da like we're gonna be in on the chair, and he'll think the whole video, the whole thing, the whole rollout right there, you know what I mean. And he one of them type of motherfuckers, he ain't gonna leave without getting a song done. Mm-hmm. i done have been in studio sessions with motherfuckers and you be in there all day and nothing gets done you know what i'm saying and he one of the people that i noticed that he like nah i'm a fucking, we coming out of here with some heat you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying fuck that so that's why i like fucking with him too
0: well uh, which song i know you want to, uh the album of the year uh uh well, r for, b for, for for ventura Did, were there any songs on the album that won anything
1: um, yep. He won, uh, we won one for the R&B performance, uh, with, uh, Andre 3000, uh, Come Home. Oh, Come Home.
0: Oh, that's my yep, shit.
1: Yep. Yeah. And that was another one where I was fortunate to be, I was fortunate to be a part of it, where he called me and I fucking lost my mind when he told me Andre 3000, you know what I'm saying? Got on the fucking song. Like he went through all, he said Andre went through all the beats of the album, you know, uh, other beats that he played for him and stuff. And he just liked that one. And it was this part I remember in the studio when I played it, I was like, man, this shit kinda weird, but fuck it. I remember thinking that like, man, fuck it. This shit weird as fuck. Cause it was like a off it's like a three bar phrase what he's rapping on top of. Yes. So if you go back and listen to it, it's a three bar phrase instead of a four bar. So I was like, man, fuck it. I'm gonna do some weird shit. Fuck it. And I remember thinking that and doing it, like, I hope they don't like this shit and then fucking Andre three thousand raps on that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So, That's what's up. Yeah.
0: That's what I learned today. I'm like, man, fuck it. I like taking chances in the studio, man. Fuck it. You say you
1: take chances in the studio,
0: huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. That's what's up, man. You have to. like that. That's, yeah. that's where the beauty comes in. Because that song could come home. I remember before the album came out, one of my homeboys who actually turned me on to Anderson back about five or six years ago, he just put up a tweet. It said, this nigga, Anderson Pack got 3,000 on the track. I can't wait for it to drop. I was like, what? And so would that being the first song on the album? I mean, that just lets you know the rest of this album is just going to be the shit. Right,
1: right.
0: <laughs> Man, what song did you work on on Oxnard? I, a lot of people, some people, I don't, I, I, I can't trust anybody who ever tripped on Oxnard. That album was goddamn great. I'll
1: be saying the same thing. I think people just, uh... You know how people are, man. Like, it was just one of those, it was the timing, the timing okay. of it. And I think because it has something to do with, like, I don't know, it was his first commercial album or something. Mm-hmm. But I think the shit is knocking. I ain't gonna lie. When I Especially when I heard it in the studio, I was like, man, this shit is incredible, man. Like, But um, I worked on uh, the first song on Oxnard. Uh, damn. Um,
0: I can't the first not head low hello head the second song
1: right yes yeah, the intro it's the actual intro i can't of uh, the chase that, the chase i love that yep, shit. I, yeah i worked on the chase and the song that he got with uh pusha t you know yeah that was another one where i got a call he was like man i got pusha t on the right i'm like what nigga like we got a song with pusha t like man Yep, yeah, man. I was fortunate to work on that. The chase came about, we was like watching like fucking uh because Anderson is like part Asian. I don't know his whole background, but he like a lot of Asian shit. So you walk in his studio, he'll have some Asian movies playing, you know what I'm saying? So that day we was watching like, you know, some Asian shit playing on the TV and this little melody came on there, you know what I'm saying? Like, we like damn, that's kinda cool. But we just flipped what that melody was on there. You know what I'm saying that's how we built that song out, and we had a homegirl, girl shout out to Vicky, she played keyboard. She's actually Asian, mm-hmm. so that like that sound of that, yeah, we got that authentic. You know what I mean? That shit, and I got my boys uh, the regiment. That was my first time like coaching a uh, horn section. And
0: okay, it
1: was a beautiful time for me, man. He let me spread my wings in that time for sure.
0: Man, the chase. I always say, man, that that just made me feel like because it's funny you say that watching the movie because when I hear it. I feel like going back and watching the early 70s black exploitation. You jive, sucker. That's what I hear when I hear yeah. that song. Come on. <laughs> I
1: love yep, that song. Yep.
0: So, yeah. But now I want to get into more of what, uh, 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 your music on in this, in this last EP that you've done, uh, San Pedro. For those of you who haven't heard San Pedro, get off your lazy ass and go ahead and download that shit right now. It's a couple people because I, I had already posted on my Instagram. I'm always posting music that I'm listening to, which I'm now putting in the playlist, folks. I got a soul fuck list and a jazz soul playlist that I'm uh, I'm curating right now for Instagram for those of you listening because y'all always want to know what the fuck I'm listening to and I uh, guarantee you that uh, Jarvis Music is going to be on that playlist. Um, I put it out and there's a few people who already uh, downloaded some of your stuff and they love it. Talk to us about San Pedro and how that came about. And why is name San Pedro?
1: Man, so basically, man, 2020, like we all went through it. That was one of the worst years of time, period. Mm-hmm. I don't think everybody kind of realized that that was probably one of the worst times ever, period. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, so me going through that year, um, you know, I had a few family members that got sick, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so long story short, man, I had had a crazy, you know. I'ma just say it, fuck it. I had the DMT, you know what I'm saying? So A lot of people don't know about that. And, I wanna uh, try that. Yeah, so I ended up doing it, and I had this revelation of, man, I gotta get closer to my family. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, something told me, man, get out of Hollywood and move back to your hometown closer to your mother, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, last year, man, I picked up everything. I said, fuck it, and then... Uh, the pandemic hit, it was like perfect timing, What not shit going on. I moved back to Long Beach, you know what I'm saying? So uh in the meantime, you know, months going by, my mother got sick. She got real sick, you know what I'm saying? And uh she was in the ICU, she's good now, but that goes to show you that the energy wasn't lying to me. like, nigga, get close to your mom, bro. Like, you know, she needs you right now, you mm-hmm. so know. I'm out in Hollywood doing my thing, blah, blah, blah. But uh, long story short, Me moving to Long Beach, I was trying to find, like, different spots to, you know, just hang out and just, you know, catch a vibe or whatever. And um, growing up in Long Beach, man, I never really noticed, you know, San Pedro. We never really went over the bridge and went to San Pedro to hang out. So something told me one day, man, just drive over there and just start driving around. So I'm driving around, uh, you know, and I find, you know, they got a couple beaches over there, Cabrillo, White Point uh sunken city where a part of the city actually fell inside of the ocean so that kind of attracted me i'm like damn the land is kind of talking over there it's mm-hmm. uh active land
0: It be moving for real for real
1: yeah it's shifting and moving like the last one was like two years ago like it some landslide two years ago so i'm like damn that's that attracted me so uh i'm going over there i'm having shroom trips i'm going over there coming right back to the house and then when i come back home that. That was what was inspiring me. My views, my uh listening to the different, you know, Latinos that's around and the music that they're playing, you know, the old, a lot of a lot of people don't know the Latino community out here play a lot of old school 50s and 60s black music.
0: They you preserve I mean? that sound for us. Yeah, they do.
1: Exactly. They keep it alive. So they'll be around with the low riders, you know, you know, playing their shit. And that shit inspired me, man, especially the song uh, uh clouds. Um, that got that old school feel that's it remind me of when I was sitting out there seeing them in the low Yeah. you know what I'm saying I'm like damn they love our shit you know our our uh, soul music so I was just taking that and blending that blending different you know Latin, Latino rhythms and and just blending that shit together man that's what i was doing all last year and that's the project that came out you know
0: what i mean so hey you, you hit on something right there because i didn't think about that san Pete, that whole san pedro palace verdes hill is moving like people yep. don't know like that area where tiger woods had his crash it's like these huge dips and it's like mm-hmm. they the, the road every couple of years they gotta re literally remake the road because mm-hmm. it's always shifting and moving and yep. that's uh, it's a lot of shifting and moving moving in your music. your move, your mm. music has a lot of movement in it. Talk to me about the importance of movement
1: in a song, man. Um, it's one of the most beautiful things I think every everything could be done as long as you do it in a balance in a you know a simplistic way to, where people can grasp it. You know what I mean? So it's like a balance of um, finding what can people grasp and the balance of what do i want to put because a lot of the times i'll be thinking overthinking shit and i want to do just this most immaculate just crazy thing and that'll go over i know for a fact it'll go over a lot of people's heads so i have to like find that balance in between so
0: what was the question again i forgot the importance of uh movement in in a song what in in um, your
1: music yep so basically man that's that's it like when you find that balance you realize when you're doing a song you're going to feel like oh something should happen right here you know what i'm saying so as you're doing it you know like okay first verse over uh first hook over maybe we should try something right here just a little bridge something just ah, Mm -hmm. and then go back to the groove you know so that's how I do it, man. I base it off of feeling. So if I feel like, oh, man, this got to go right here where I feel it, I'm like, oh, shit. I just hurry up and do it real quick while it's on my mind before I forget. You know what I mean? And, this, and that's how that's how I keep it moving, man. That's that's pretty much it.
0: One, one, one thing you keep bringing up, again, is you follow your feeling. You follow your instincts. And that's something I always like to mm-hmm. preach to people out there through my own trials of, of, of stopping at some point trusting myself. You gotta trust yourself, man, and and it's people out there that may say, "Okay, oh, he's taking," mushroom. and then people that criticize me, oh, you take mushrooms? You shouldn't advocate for that. Well, make my own goddamn business then, because yeah, me, don't do it. Though. It's not for them. It's not it's, for them. Yeah, it's not for you. Like yeah. for me, I and I used to be like that, but I remember yeah. for me created creatively. There, there there was a point at some point that I stopped trusting myself, and I remember when I took some shrooms one time. I literally had a, because I was asking myself, why am I not clicking like I know I can click? Mm-hmm. And it was very clear on that trip, nigga, you stop trusting yourself. Mm. And I visually went back to moments in time to where I didn't trust them instincts. And it seemed like every time you think something, whatever you think ain't never doper than whatever you feel. Right. Talk right. to us about the importance of feeling in your music, because you got to put that feeling in it.
1: Like, what, what, how man. important is it, man? It's, it's important, man. It's the meat and potatoes of the music, man. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up in trying to make something that's already been done, you know, in a format that's already been done. And I think that's where you lose the feeling at. Because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, of course you're going to be inspired. You want to, oh, let's do a song like that. But you want to take that and just make something new. You actually tap in and be creative with the mm-hmm. chords and- change them around a little bit to make something new. You know what I mean? Like uh, I can't remember who told me this, but it's 12 notes, man. You know, it's only 12 notes. There's only so much we can do with it. But when you think back about all these songs that have been made with 12 notes, you know what I'm saying? Thousands and millions and trillions of songs, mm-hmm. like, you can do the same thing and be great. You know, that's why I tell a, a lot of people like, man, you can rearrange chords a different way. You don't have to do it the same way that you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire did it, or Marvin Gaye. Uh, you go to a Marvin Gaye song and flip the chords around and change them around and try some new shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's where you know I think the feeling comes from trying new shit, and you know, and, and respecting the older shit. So you so you know where it's coming from, and you know, okay, they went there back then. Let me try this stuff on this part, and so that's why I like people like Bruno Mars. You know what I'm saying? Like that new song he got out. You tell that shit is the 70s all day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But the way they arranged the chorus is slightly different than, you know, it's just it's just impeccable to me. That shit is clean as fuck. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you can't hate on it. Uh, that's where I think the feeling comes from, man. It's being original. You know what I'm saying? Not trying to copy verbatim. Of course you're going to get shit from different people and get inspiration, but try to be original as you can. You know what man. I'm saying? And, and be creative and, and, and take pride in knowing that you put in the work to get to this point, you know what I'm saying? And get this creative and that's pretty much it, man.
0: Man, that's dope, that's dope. I encourage y'all to get San Pedro. My personal favorite song on that album is Trees. <laughs> I love <laughs> the whole album, but Trees is some shit that I just, I'm smoking that's trees too, and it's like shit. <laughs> Man, like the way Bill it, man is I I personally man I appreciate you for what you bring to music man and I I'm, I'm honored to have interviewed you right now because I I know where I I know, I know I know I'm 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 a student of history. Through being a student of history, you can see what's coming, where it's going. And your music is some shit that's going to be around. It's going to be around. It's going to be some shit in 2058. It's going to be somebody saying, "Hey John Larry, you heard about this nigga named Jay?" guarantee you in in 2071 they gonna be playing your <laughs> shit because it's That's, that classic is that good i appreciate it man for real where can for they real. find you man and what uh where, where can they where can they find all your stuff
1: um shit, i tell everybody man just follow me on instagram uh jmo the great jmo the great um Shit, type in Jairus Mosey on uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes as J-A-I-R-U-S-M-O-Z-E-E. You know what I'm saying? I go by my real name when I do my artist shit, Jairus Mosey. You know what I'm saying? But uh, J-Mo is like my nickname. So if anybody ever forget how to say it or whatever, you always just go to J-Mo. You know what I mean? So yeah, you can find me there, uh, Facebook. I'm on all the shit, man. Everything.
0: Yeah, I want y'all to share this video and like it. This video is going to be up on uh, the audio of this is going to be up on Spotify and uh, Mixcloud tonight. Um, yeah, this is this this is dope because, like I say, you you you're the bridge. You really are the bridge between the '70s and what's coming next, and you're a key component to that. And So I thank you for listening uh, for uh, being a part of Instance and Ashtrays. It's only my second episode of this
1: particular rendition of my show. I appreciate you bringing me on here, too, because Bobby Rush, dog, that's a legend. That's a fucking legend, bro. I appreciate you bringing me on, you know what I mean? And I appreciate this time you let me speak about my you know, career and my album, bro. Real talk.
0: Yeah, we're here because we know real music is alive, and we got to make sure we put it out there. So with these interviews, I'm, mix, I'm mixing the old school with the new school because music ain't dead. We just got to find out where it is. And so that's what I'm, I'm pushing this show to be, to where people can go mm-hmm. in my playlist to where people can go to find that real sound um and i got some sample packs coming out pretty soon on the drums i just got into that in, into that so my first pack should be out in the next couple of weeks or something like that
1: man that's an
0: amazing game to get into trust me, trust me. Yeah, yeah 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 so y'all go ahead and look that out on Incense and ashtrays We're oh re- yeah
1: hey not to cut you off go the one i got a pack too for your listeners y'all go on swagsample.com. that's a that's a uh Website that I started to sell, you know, samples and stuff. We got Charlie Burrell on there. We got Jamie Gamble. Okay. Uh, you know, you know Jamie Gamble. Yeah. LA, remember? So we got him. We got packs with him. So we might have to get a pack with you, bro, and uh, do that too. But swagsample.com, y'all, if y'all need some sounds. You know what I mean?
0: Swagsample.com. And I'm, I'm going to have to get Charlie out here because
1: Charlie a funky motherfucker too. God damn that nigga. Good. <laughs> yeah. he a young legend too, man. Yes, he
0: All is. Day. Yes, he is, man. So I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all for listening. J Mo. I'll be in contact, my brother. Much respect, man.
1: Much respect. It. Have a good one. All right. Peace. Peace.